Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Hello, I'm Daniel. I am going to read to you a verse from this text, Trust in Mind. It's a text I really like, and I'm going to read to you this verse, and then I'm going to comment on it, and then I'm going to lead a meditation. Okay? So, here's the verse. It was a text I really like, by the way. Trust in Mind. You should get it. To return to the root is to find the meaning, but to pursue appearances is to miss the source. To return to the root is to find the meaning, but to pursue appearances is to miss the source. So, what's going on here, right? Return to the root is to find the meaning, to pursue appearances is to miss the source. So, Returning to the root, what does that make me think of? That, first of all, makes me think of, um, it makes me think of this quote, and it's been memed, but this quote, and I don't know who said it, but it is, who were, who were you before the world told, told you who to be? Who were you before the world told you who to be? And another version of that is, how do you define yourself without somehow relating to other people? So what, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a dad, right? I'm a meditation teacher and I'm teaching you right now. All of this relates to other people, but who are you independent of that? Can we really answer that? So that's the root we're talking about is who we are at our core, beneath all of the delusions we have, beneath all of the things we've learned, good and bad, beneath all of our habits and our prejudices and our preconceptions, who are we beneath all of that? That's what the writer of this text is calling the root. That is what in Buddhism we sometimes call that Buddha nature or basic goodness. It is what we really are underneath the baggage we're carrying. I like to use the word baggage a lot. And because that's how I think of it. I think of it as baggage we're carrying. So we have had this experience and that experience and it has shaped who we are. And sometimes that's helpful and other times that is, that is not helpful, right? So not to get too deep into this, but um, my my mother and father both passed away in their 50s, and so uh, I have baggage around that. I have baggage, I have some attachment issues, some human attachment issues, but also, like, I sort of have a fatalism. I sort of think, like, I'm 40 now, I probably have 20 years left, and that's it, right? So, because of the way my parents went, and of course, that's not necessarily true, and of course, that's that's that shapes some of my decisions and it shapes some of my life and sometimes that's good because it in 
inspires me to take care of myself, but other times it's bad because I'm just afraid. I'm just afraid. And maybe you have some baggage and stories, stories you tell yourself like that. But yeah, I kind of have the story going that I'm going to, I'm not going to live to be a hundred. Right. And that's just a story I'm telling myself because of that baggage, because of my life experience. And is it true? No problem. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Life and death are unsure. You could live another 50 years. You could die tomorrow. We don't know. And that's one of the things about life that's uh, scary, right? It can, it's fleeting. It can go any time. So that's what we're talking about. Anyway, that's my baggage that I carry. I probably carry all kinds of baggage other than that. But that's baggage I carry that I wanted to just describe to you. That is getting caught up in appearances instead of the root. So... The root is, who am I without that baggage? Who, who are you underneath your, your thoughts and memories? Who are you, right? And that's a difficult question to answer. It's a very difficult question to answer. And it, it's the root. It's our true nature. It is, it is in, in Buddhism, we say our true nature is awake and free and joyful and all these things. And it doesn't always seem that way. It doesn't always seem that way. But... The point is that our baggage is getting in our way a lot of the time. Our baggage, our preconceptions, our prejudices, these are getting in our way. And another thing that this this line makes me think of, because of that word appearances, because of that word appearances, to pursue appearances is to miss the source. So that also makes me think of the old version of this is you, um, and a lot of us don't do this, but you go, you know, the stereotype of people go to church and they wear their, just their best clothes and they judge people that don't have clothes as good as them. You know what I'm saying? And you wear your best clothes. So people think you dress that way all the time, which you don't, or that's an okay example. A better example is you go on a first date and you, of course you present the best version of yourself, right? The best version of yourself. You're pursuing appearances and sometimes that can be wildly misleading, right? We know that. Sometimes that can be wildly misleading. But a modern version of that is social media. One fact about Facebook and Instagram that has been studied and learned is it makes people sad partly because you see the things people are doing and you compare your life to that and then you're sad, right? So you see, oh, this person went to, you know, the beach, this person went to Paris or whatever, right? And what you're doing when you get sad, you're comparing your day-to-day life to someone else's, what they've decided to share. It's your regular average lived experience compared to someone else's highlight reel, right? And So then that makes you sad because of course it does because our regular day-to-day life cannot measure up to someone else's highlight reel. How could it, right? So that is appearances too. We see the appearance on social media and we then think we don't measure up. We think we don't measure up, right? So when we see someone else is able to 
do this and this and this and this amazing thing. And we are, feel like we're, you know, just at home doing a puzzle or whatever. We feel like we're doing nothing. Then we judge ourselves and we're hard on ourselves and we hate it and we struggle. And that's not good. That's not good. And that's the way things are sometimes. That is the pursuing appearances for the modern world is I'm going to get the best photos for my Instagram and Facebook, right? I'm going to get the best photos and everybody's going to see them. I'm going to get a ton of likes, right? And it's not good. It's not good. That's definitely pursuing appearances. And it doesn't why do we like getting likes on Facebook and Instagram? I don't know, but we definitely do, right? And it doesn't even work though. Like you can take the most amazing photo of yourself on a mountain or in front of the Washington Monument or whatever, but the truth is that the things that get the most likes are the most genuine photos that you didn't think meant anything, right? So uh, my experience is my pictures that get the most likes are myself and my partner looking at each other because it's real, right? And we don't even think about that though. We think, oh, that's a cool mountain. That's a cool statue. That's a cool mural. I really like statues and murals. So we don't even think about that, that what people like is what's real. What people like is what's real. What people care about is what's real. And that's that, right? And I like to say that this path, this mindfulness meditation path is about learning how to be more and more real. It's about authenticity. And I think some people think it's about other things, but for me, it's about authenticity. It's about being really real and seeing myself for how I really am and seeing the world for how it really is too. And then trying to make myself better and trying to make the world better. To me, that is what it's all about. That is what it's all about. It's the path of attention and the path of authenticity. And when we work on those two things, then it can really transform our lives and the lives of the people around us. <clears throat> the world is full of, I don't want to say the world's full of fake people, but the world is full of people pursuing appearances, people not being authentic, not being genuine. And because the world is full of that, when you meet someone who's not pursuing appearances, it's strange. It's strange. It's different. It's unexpected. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully you like it, but <clears throat> that's, where we are, I think. I think appearances have taken center stage in our world. And it's what most people are thinking about most of the time. And we want to figure out how to return to the root, how to see through our baggage, how to see the world as it really is, and see ourselves as we really are. That's an aspect of this too. One thing we're learning how to do is stop lying to ourselves about ourselves. Stop lying to ourselves about ourselves. <clears throat> there was some spiritual teacher who said, I don't, and I don't know who said it, but I'm going to try to find out. 
But there was a spiritual teacher who said, the thing about this path is, at a certain point, you can't lie to yourself as sincerely as you did before. And what does that mean? It means you, you learn how to see through your own bullshit. You learn how to see through your own bullshit. And that's hard. It is very, very hard to see through our bullshit. Our bullshit is strong and it blinds us. But we can learn how to see through it. And that's what we're talking about here, really. That's what we're talking about here, really. So, I've gone on for a while. And now we're going to meditate. So, I want you to sit up as straight as you can. Uh, find a position where your legs aren't going to fall asleep. I've got... I just have my legs crossed. But if you are able to do the full lotus position, that's what people say is the best. But I think whatever you can do, as long as your feet aren't going to fall asleep, I think it doesn't matter that much. People put a lot of weight into what your legs are doing, and I don't. Your hands, though, I think are important. I like to recommend either what I call the bowl, one hand on top of the other, thumbs gently touching, resting in your lap. That's number one. Or the number two is what I call relaxation. It's just hands on your knees, okay? I do a nice open practice, so I'm looking past you over there where there's a blank wall. There's nothing interesting to distract me, and that's what I recommend. If you're able to have your eyes open and look at a blank wall, that's what I recommend the most. But if you're not, another option is to kind of look downward at the floor, provided you don't have a really fancy rug there or something. Just look downward at the floor. And then, of course, another option is to have your eyes closed. Um, that's not my practice, but I think that's an okay practice. So I'm going to ring the bell, and then I'm going to give instruction. I want you to begin with the practice called the healing breath. It serves as a bookend to get us ready for the meditation, and then we'll do it again at the end to bring us out of the meditation, okay? So it's a counting. It's a controlled breathing with counting, and I'm going to do the counting for you, so don't worry. But what we do is we breathe in very slowly so that the in-breath takes five seconds. And then we hold our breath for five seconds. And then we breathe out very slowly. So the out breath has five seconds. Take, has five seconds, takes five seconds. So one breath takes 15 seconds. And please, if you have asthma or some kind of breathing problems, or you're prone to freaking out when you can't breathe or whatever, then don't, don't do it, okay? I don't want anybody to be like, <gasps> you know, because they're following my instructions. So, but if you don't have a breathing problem, then please do this with me, okay? So I will show you, I will show you first. So I'm breathing in. Holding my breath. Breathing out. Okay, so we're gonna do that for three, three breaths, three times, okay? 
and I'm gonna just direct you. So breathe in. Hold your breath. Breathe out. Breathe in. Hold your breath. Breathe out. One more, breathe in. Hold your breath. Breathe out. I used to lead this without a timer and I tried to count in my head and I was, somebody pointed out to me, I was way off on how long five seconds is, always. So um, anyway, I have a little timer right here I'm looking at that you can't see. So, now I want you to bring attention to your breathing. You can make your point of focus, either your nose, the air coming in and out, or the rise and fall of your belly. So, uh, and then if you have a whole lot of trouble, you can put your hands on your belly and actually feel it rising and falling. We don't think about this, but it is going on all the time, our whole lives, but we don't think about it. That's why the breath is a good focus for us because it's something that's always with us, but we also, unless there's a problem, we don't put a lot of importance on it. So that's the thing about the breath that makes it useful as an anchor. So bring your attention to your breathing. In my experience, um, when I taught, when I used to teach meditation to kids, they always told me they preferred the belly to, to the nose, but whatever you prefer is fine. Just bring your attention to your breathing and notice breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. Don't try to control it, but rather just be aware of it. Breathing in, breathing out. It's always there to return to. So the point of this practice, this training and attention is every time something distracts us, whether it's a memory or a thought about what I'm doing later or wondering what that sound is my cats are making, I just bring my mind back to the breath. I just bring my attention back to the breath. And in bringing our attention back to the breath again and again, we're training in attention. We're getting better at it. It's like lifting weights. It's like, it's like studying for a test. It's just doing the same thing over and over. It gets us progress, gets us better at it with time. Some people find it very helpful to even add another layer to this and count. So mentally note one on the in-breath, two on the out-breath. In one, out two. In one, out two. And then every time there's a distraction, you just come back in one, right? The next breath is always there, so you just in one, out two. In one, out two. And we're gonna sit and follow the breath for a few minutes. This practice is called mindfulness of breathing.
<clears throat> and I'd like to close by doing the healing breath again. Okay, so breathe in. Hold your breath. Breathe out. One more time, just two at the end. Breathe in. Hold your breath. Breathe out. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me and to sit with me. Have a good day. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.